You're listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com. Listen, go in your Bibles. Favorite phrase of the ranchers. Go in your Bibles, and we're going to be in Romans chapter 8. We're going to be covering the more than conquerors passage. And we're going to be talking about what is so great about our salvation that is not a question. No, we're not saying what is so great about our salvation. We have an exclamation point on that. We have a declaration about that. We can talk all day about that. Who's going to let me preach all day about that? Oh, liar, liar, pants on fire. You're like, well, you moved it to 11 o'clock, Pastor. I'm thinking about those tacos at home and thinking about that lunch and is Leo cooking. And that's okay. We should and will continually talk about what is so great about our salvation. I will say this to you, my friends, as a church gathered right now. I don't think knowing on the pastoral side of the street, I don't think looking at all of you that your dominant issues are unbelief. I don't think that's what trips you up on your worst day. I, I don't think that's what challenges you when you're weak. I think it's this topic. What is so great about our salvation? What is the greatness of God? What is the glory of God? What is so great about our salvation? The answer to that question, I think, is our greater challenge for us as a church. To grow in, to mature in, to soak in, to experience internally true, true revival of what is so great about our salvation. So I have uh, three words that I'm really going to chase for the most part that we'll talk about our time. The first word is theocracy. The second one is divine intercession. And the third one is more than conquerors. And pretty much everything will go, go from there. I'm going to pick this up in Romans chapter 8, the middle of the chapter, which says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. That's verse 26. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I'm going to return to that in a moment. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he also called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Can we say Amen. Let me introduce a term called theocracy to you. It's going to be related to this. Because the end of the passage, which we haven't got to yet, is going to talk about us being more than conquerors. Not just a conqueror. 
Not just somebody who barely crosses the finish line. Not just somebody who on their knees scrapes and gets to the mountaintop. Although, get there. The Bible is going to use a very distinct phrase to talk about that the Christian life is being more than a conqueror. Let's talk about theocracy as a terminology to help you understand this because the dominant, one of the dominant phrases in this chapter is the Spirit. We can go back to the Old Testament, to the great patriarchs. God himself, when Adam sinned and when Eve sinned, God himself made a sacrifice for himself to cover their sin. Noah gets out of the ark. And this first thing, you have to realize there's not a lot of food around. You know, we're going we're gonna to try and preserve some of these things. But his first thing was to offer a blood sacrifice again to God and to worship God. Abraham, in the famous story of Isaac, where Isaac is actually a young man and says, Father, where is the sacrifice? We're going up to Mount Moriah. We're going there to sacrifice. So if you don't know your Bibles, you don't know the story, there's actually the location of the old temple, which will come years and years later, and they're going to sacrifice. Father, where is the sacrifice? Abraham's word? God himself will provide for himself the lamb. And he does. Little different context, you go all the way to Joseph in a dungeon still prophesying about God, and God rescues him. You continue on to Moses, who in his life with God, thinks, oh, I know the right thing to do in this instance, and so he murders and kills a man. And you go on a journey and be completely restored. You go to Joshua, Joshua offering sacrifice and taking the Ark of the Covenant and seeing great and mighty things happen. So all of those stories piece together. That, those, that sort of survey that I just gave you of the Old Testament, it kind of all pieces together because all of these people had, had theocracy in their heart, in their mind. It was actually and is still God's will. Not many things you could say about that. To govern your life theocratically. He is God. And so theos, theos, the Greek you know, word for, for God, kratos is actually like a cement, like an anchor, like a weight. So that God is God in your life, anchoring your life, anchoring your heart, yes? yes. Anchoring your mind, yes? Anchoring your soul, your spirit, and your body being that theocracy inside you, anchoring you down individually so that we would build a human society that glorifies God. So it's fascinating when I talk about human society or use a phrase like that, people think politically, and that is actually somewhat true because God wants to govern our politics. He wants to govern our homes. He wants to govern our personal lives and our professional lives. That's theocracy. And when you look at the Old Testament and those stories which I told you in very, very short order, when you look at the Old Testament, when God was theocratic in their life, you know what there was? 
It's a great word. It's called victory. More than a conqueror, God providing for them, God delivering for them, God blessing them. And those patriarchs are written in Scripture for our benefit so that we would know such a thing, and that is how great our salvation is. Our salvation is actually so great that if God is theocratic in your life, you will walk on planet Earth as a person blessed of God. By qualification, if you're more than a conqueror, then there's obstacles. If you're more than a conqueror, then there's some disappointment to overcome and find the cross. If you're more than a conqueror, then there's things that have died and things that will come back to life. If you're more than a conqueror, there's a mountain to climb, rivers to part, miracles to see. You know, it's fascinating when we talk about those things, we realize, oh, wow, I want to see a miracle. I want to see a miracle. A miracle, by definition, requires some serious problem. <laughs> that generally scares us. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray for us as we ought. As I get further in the chapter towards the end, towards the classic verses of more than a conqueror, you're going to find out this is, this is how great salvation is. Well, first, I just talked about theocracy. Second, we're going to talk about divine intercession. This here says that God the Holy Spirit is praying for you. How fantastic is such a thing. That right now, God is so God thinking about everything that's happened in the history of the world and the universe, that God is so God that he knows your name, that he knows who you are, that he's intimately concerned personally about you, and that his heart for you is so perfect and good. Are you with me, church? Divine intercession. So the Spirit, right now with you, you have a life circumstance, you don't know how to pray or present yourself to God or maybe even communicate with God, the Spirit will enter into that experience with you personally before God and say, I got this. I'll take you into the heavenlies. Later in the chapter, you're going to find out that Jesus Christ himself has the same ministry. So this is how great God is, that for every single person here, there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. And definitively, the Son of God, resurrected from the dead, is having a conversation to figure out how to bless your life and strengthen your life more and more and more inside the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit is saying, are you praying for so-and-so? Are you praying for so-and-so, Jesus? I'm on that prayer. I'm on that prayer. I'm on that prayer. For every person on planet Earth who has ever existed for all time. That's how great our salvation is. The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Jesus is the eternal king. So I'm going to give you a list of some things to think about in terms of Jesus being the eternal king. 
Hebrews chapter 2 says that our salvation is great and that he is that king. Colossians, by way of reference, chapter 1, verse 15, is so fascinating because Jesus is so God, he actually currently holds the laws of physics in his place, which means the reason why you and I are not floating around right now, the reason why planet Earth is still spinning, the reason why the stars are still held in place is because Jesus Christ divinely holds them that way. Colossians 1.15. One of my favorite passages in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, clearly says something so astronomically bold that everything will bow down before Jesus Christ in heaven and on earth. The stars, they bow down and will bow down and worship Jesus Christ. The oceans will bow down and worship Jesus Christ. Angels will bow down and worship Jesus Christ. And every single human being will bow down and worship Jesus Christ. And it's actually a qualification about hell, believe it or not. Because no one is going to be in hell, you know, trying to have some sort of vulgar statement about God. Everyone is on their face saying, oh God, I have missed this. Yes. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus is king. Romans chapter 5, speaking about the great sacrifice of Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, actually is saying something so fascinating because it says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But the verses qualified before that are clearly communicating, kind of using some earthly language saying, is there a good person that you know or a wealthy person that you know, a really, really good person? You know what? Basically, no one's going to die for them. Why? Well, it's, it's somewhat cousin to somebody who has tens of millions of dollars trying to seek a personal loan from somebody who has no money. That's not going to happen. That poor person is going to say, hey, my brother, you know that plane that you got? Once you sell that and pay your bills, I'm trying to make it. In other words, that wealthy person can take care of themselves. And, and that person who's highly competent and that good person, as the Bible's talking about there in Romans chapter 5, says, well, maybe, maybe they have one friend, maybe that loves them enough and has some sort of mercy on enough that actually maybe would die for them. And then the phrase, Romans 5, 8. But while we were sinners, while we were vulgar to God and in rebellion to God and against God and not wanting God, while we were cold to the love of Christ, while we were caught in our sinfulness and caught in our addictions and caught in every single wayward thing, Christ loved us and came for us and sacrificed his life for us, resurrected from the dead to demonstrate that truth. And now, at fulfilling his teaching, it's better that I go away to send the Holy Spirit to be dominant in your life. All of that is fulfilled. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. How great is our salvation. The chapter started in chapter 8, verse 1, with that classic phrase that we went over for many, many weeks, there is now no condemnation. So you and I, we do something in our humanity. It's in our brains. We keep lists. And we keep record, and we keep record of wrong. 
See, I actually want to do this right now. I actually want to ask you, who keeps records of wrong? I know you don't want to do that, but who does that, right? Who does that? No, 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 one's, no one's like, oh, me, oh, me. Do you do that, church? Well, I hope you don't, but we do. We keep record of wrong. We keep record of offense. So think about this. This is how great salvation is. There is, I'll use my Bible right now. You stay in your place. There's no book for the Christian in heaven or on earth that is registering your sin. Oh, look what you did wrong yesterday. Oh, I'm God. I know what you're going to do wrong tomorrow. Oh, we got some sin over here. There, there is actually, we do that in our humanity. And we have conflict resolution, and we, we talk about conflict resolution, and we go to seminars like that. Of course, we need you to learn how to love and communicate with one another. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. A new law, spirit of life, has liberated us from a law of death, which means that there is actually not a book in heaven or on earth before God that has a single record of your wrong. How great is our salvation? Is there truth, church? Yes or no? Everybody should say yes. It's the right answer. There's truth. And there's conviction. Those are not the same things of a registry kept in heaven and on earth of wrong against you. The blood of Christ has been so perfect and so pure as to actually remove the, the weight of all of your sin and error for all time. The Holy Spirit is God and brings God to us. Actually, very, very much how we experience God. The Holy Spirit is our sealer. The Holy Spirit is, is our lover. Holy Spirit is our baptizer. Holy Spirit is our filler. Holy Spirit is our convictor, bringing truth. That's the Holy Spirit, and that's a short list. As we saw now at the very end of that initial section that I read, which, which speaks about, and those he predestined, he called. Those he called, they also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. The Holy Spirit brings salvation. The Holy Spirit brings sanctification. I realize these are some theological terms, but I want you to know them. I'm not trying to talk over your head. I want you to know these. Salvation should be very obvious. Sanctification is actually how you grow and mature. And glorification is going to heaven. Hallelujah. This is the Holy Spirit. This passage is speaking about victory by God being theocratic in our lives. Passage is speaking about victory that Jesus Christ is praying for your life. So I've wrestled with whether maybe to share something very personally. See if you guys will allow me to have a, have a little personal conversation with you. And my goal as a pastor is to try and do this without tearing up because it's very tender to me. I'm talking about prayer and intercession. Talk about Jesus praying when you've stopped praying. 
Talking about the Holy Spirit praying when you have no words. So just a few weeks ago, my father went to go be with eternity. So dad is a really fascinating character. Actually, if he were in this room, he'd probably have such a winsome personality. You know, he's one, he just was one of those. He just, all of you would have been his best friend in probably, you know, like two minutes. You know, would have been with all the ladies telling you how fine you look. You know, he's a Puerto Rican man with a strong accent. There once was an actor from a bygone day called Ricardo Montemblan. He somewhat looked like him, and he had that perfect accent. You know, he'd constantly be complimenting girls and that kind of thing, and that accent of his would just swoon all of them, you know, which caused him problems later in life. He loved me deeply. I have the privilege of having a dad that I know loved me and wanted nothing but the best and truly demonstrated that in so many ways. I have a memory of him of, uh, uh, of uh, an athletic moment where I intercept a pass and, and I'm taking it to the house. And on the video of that in my college days, he's actually, run, he's actually jumped over the barrier. He jumped like, you know, where people are supposed to be, but he's right in front. He's actually jumped over, landing like eight feet, rolling on the ground in his seat, and he's running behind me. As best as he can, he's running through my entire sideline, you know, and he's kicking everything over, and he actually lands kind of like Superman, tripped over himself in front of all the cheerleaders down by the end zone, you know, <laughs> having just choked himself with his tie, soiled. I mean, that's my dad, right? Sort of over the top, like, you know. On the dark side, in the sad side, in the second part of his life, he chose the most gross and disgusting and vulgar sins that somebody could ever have to such a degree that I would not allow my sons to know their grandfather. That breaks my heart to ever have to say. So my friends, I don't know how to communicate this to you well other than to simply tell you that my prayer life for my father before God was, God, I have no more tears. God, how, how, much, how, much, how much more tears do you want me to weep over this man? How much more brokenness in my humanity do you want me to experience of this? How many more negative consequences must me and my family feel of, of this man. I, I, don't, I don't have any more blood to give. I don't have any more hope to have. I, don't, I, don't have, I have nothing truly left to give to you, God. Please forgive me. Ever been there? What's the verse say? Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. A year ago, you know me, I was with my dad in uh, Florida on the East Coast, 
And so he's obviously 91. He's winding down. He's finally in a bed. I pin him down in a bed. And I go, old man, you're going to listen to me. Here is the truth of the gospel. I take it through him. I try and show him a video on face of, uh, of, of YouTube of me preaching. He says, please turn that off. I can't tell you the words that came with that. I cannot repeat to you the uh, profanity that came my way. I cannot repeat to you the words which ended with a long, long diatribe over seven days that I was with them of, leave me alone. I'm going to hell and I'm going to burn. I'm going to burn and I'm not accepting your Jesus. I'm not accepting your God. I'm not accepting what you say. I am actually going to go to hell. Jeez, Dad, you know how much that hurts? <laughs> okay, I'll fast forward. I won't belabor this, and I want to get to the end of the chapter. So just allow me the moment. He's put in a VA facility because he's a 10-year Korean War vet last summer. Little did I know that that'd be the last time I'd see my dad because COVID would lock down the facility and the family would not see him. There was a young military chaplain in regalia who would come and visit and pray for everyone. And he took some favor upon my father and my dad would respect him being in the military, being in the garb. And he just said, I'm going to pray for you. Dad was lucid pretty much to the day he died. And this young man went and prayed for him and prayed for him and prayed for him. And he understood just three weeks ago that my dad's going to die. And so he took him through a true series of repentance. This is, Pete, what it means for you to repent of your sin. And he took him through this and he took him through that. And he took him through this verse and he took him through that. He took him through the four laws and more extensive and all of this and this and that and this and that. Do you now understand that you must repent of your sin? Yes, I do. I would like to repent of my sin. Are you ready now to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? I need to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. I need to be right with God. I need the love of God in my heart. Are you willing to be baptized in the Spirit? I mean, he takes him through the gospel. My dad would give, as far as I know, his life to Christ, and he'd go and meet eternity. The chaplain would reach out to the family and saying to them, I believe Rick would want to know this. It would mean a lot to him. I have never met this guy. Obviously, my dad probably told him something and, and you know, he know this would mean a lot to him. Yes, it means a lot to him. I'll say this and move on. You guys have been great with me sharing that first story. I would have liked to have shared Christ with him this lifetime. It would have meant a lot to me. More than conquerors, I got a lot of years to share it with them in eternity. And that's all that matters. And so for all of our hearts, God will minister to those places that need that ministry. But his mercy is without fail. His grace is actually that abundant. His power to save is that mighty. And his ability to never forget and hold this close is that absolutely great and fantastic that we can only be considered more than conquerors. I'm going to run for home, church. You guys have been great. You guys have been great. In verse 31, there's a simple, simple series of questions. It's really two that are going to be opened up. 
For Apostle Paul is actually going to say, is there anybody, any one individual, any one person out there that can separate you from the love of Christ? What's the answer, church? No. Is there a drama? Is there a trauma that can actually separate you from the love of Christ? What's the answer? No. Verse 31, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. See the logic? God is the only person who ever, ever has the authority, the permission, or the right to condemn you. And in Christ, he does not. Who can bring any charge against God's elect? Who is it that justifies? Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. That's exactly what I talked about earlier about prayer. So what, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now the list, see this is now the drama trauma. We talked about the person. Is there an angel, a demon? Can Satan get you? Is there a politician with enough authority to separate you from the love of Christ? The answer to all of that is no. Is there a drama, trauma, negativity in your life? Here it is. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, church, what's the answer to that? Shall, tr shall distress separate you? What's the answer to that? Yes. How about persecution? Yes. How about famine? Yes. How about nakedness or danger? Yes. How about sword or violence? Yes. Nothing. As it is written, the Bible says, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors to him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death which I understand the power of that, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. How great is our salvation. And how great is God? We need to cross lines with God. We need to cross over with God. For some of you, it might be laying down something in your heart and your life. You're blocked. For others of you, it may be this first time of crossing over, maybe having other religious understandings or maybe having churchianity, but you actually have to cross over in your life significantly. Jesus Christ said something so fascinating. He said, if you deny me publicly, I deny you before the Father. 
Nothing about our faith is exclusively private. It is a public declaration of faith. It is a willingness to come out from the shadows and be claimed. It's a willingness to step out of a crowd and experience ministry. It's a willingness to come out and say, I actually will receive Christ. I'll receive prayer. I'll be involved. I'll be cemented with the cross. He is my God and I am his child. So here's what I offer to you in these very next few moments the chance to do that. I don't know what your story is and I don't need to know it, but I do need to know if you need to step out from the crowd that surrounds your life and come and cement your life at the cross of Jesus Christ wherever you're at on that journey. And if that's you and you can comprehend this, then I'm going to ask for you to do me a favor. It's a bold one. It's a real step. I'm going to ask for you to get up where you're sitting right now and join me right here. And I will pray, not long, but I will pray quickly. And some people are going to pray blessings over you. But if you need to cement that, you need to step out from that and meet me right here for prayer, please do that right now. Thank you for listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com.